Let's look at the text. We'll look at um, Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. Adam, the man, called his wife, this one there, everyone's first created, uh, Eve, because she was the mother of all living. The mother of all living. Adam was asked, hey, where would we be if it weren't for Eve? And he's like, duh, still in the garden. But everyone comes from Eve. Everyone. Uh, Man and woman. Adam and Eve. There you have it. I know people like to argue against it. They like to skirt it away or maybe just ignore it. Uh, The Bible just says it. You know, it just, God just states what happened according to his point of view. He was there. He made Adam and Eve. And then Eve became the mother uh, of all living. But here's what some second graders have to say. They may or may not agree with what we just read. How did God make mothers? Was asked a group of second graders. One little kid said, magic plus superpowers and a lot of stirring. (laughs) How did God make mothers? He made my mom just the same way as he made me. He just used some bigger parts. (laughs) Hey, little Johnny. You need to be schooled on what to say and not to say. You don't say bigger parts for mom. How did God make mothers? He used dirt, just like he used for the rest of us. (laughs) Why did God make mothers? Well, think about it. It's the best way to get more people. (laughs) Why did God make mothers? One kid said, to help us come out when we were getting born. Right? And another one said, she's the only one who knows where to find the scotch tape. This is true. <laughs> My wife calls me the, the worst looker, or the worst, what do you call me, the worst finder? The worst finder of things. Because I'm like, where's the duct tape, or this tape, or the stapler, or, you know, where's the Sharpie? Um, anyways, she knows where all that stuff's at. Why did God give you your mother and not somebody else's mom? One kid replied, God knew she likes me a lot more than other kids' moms like me. <laughs> oh, that one's my favorite because it's so true. Because you know your kid's the best, right? And all the other kids are the worst. And the, all the parents think the same thing. Um, except when we were, remember yesterday when we were eating and that, that one kid kept coming to our table and the mom took him away, and then he came back, and she's like, I think he just wants to be adopted by you guys. And he, would just, he just stood there and looked at us. He wouldn't do a fist bump. He wouldn't give me his name. He just kind of stared at us, and, and she's like, I've never seen him like this. I think he wants to move in with you guys. But <laughs> um, What kind of little girl was your mother? Uh-oh. I don't know because I wasn't there, but my guess would be that she was pretty bossy. (laughs) What kind of little girl do you think your mother was? One kid said, they say she used to be nice. (laughs) In the annals of history, right? (laughs) The historical records. What kind of uh, little girl was your mother? My mother has always been my mother and none of that other stuff. (laughs) What ingredients did God use to make mothers? They got their start from men's bones, then they mostly use string, I think. <laughs> this, one's, this one's sweet. What ingredients uh, does God use to make mothers? One kid said, God makes mothers out of angel hair 
and clouds, everything nice in the world, and one dab of mean. <laughs> uh, Eric, Brian, not Jerry, Joe possibly, myself. This one applies. How did your mother meet your dad? Mommy was working in a store and daddy was shoplifting. <laughs> funny though like the unconditional love of a mother I thank God for my wife who's the mother of our two children I thank God for my mom um, I just thank God for mothers and it's amazing to me that even if your son is Jeffrey Dahmer or Ted Bundy a mom will always see the best in their child why is that <laughs> it's like there's no off button I mean Ted Bundy's behind the glass, and Mom's like, oh, he's just so sweet. There's something about him. If you knew him the way I knew him, um, you know, people just don't see what I see. He's got a good heart. <laughs> you know, um, he's such a sweet boy. He means well. I mean, the guy's on death row, and moms are there to the bitter end. Even Jesus, who is innocent, by the way, when he's being publicly executed, She's there at the foot of the cross. All the other wimpy disciples fled, right? Mom's there, pretty tough. Everyone else is gone. No one attended the funeral except mom, uh, and John was there too. And then Jesus is taking care of the sins of the world, right? And while he's taking care of the sins of the world on the cross, he looks down and takes care of the needs of his mom and said, John, behold your mom. Uh, mom, behold your son, John. And um, there's something to that too. There's people that aren't your biological mom that can sometimes be your mom, like a mom figure, right? So I just think it's interesting. Look, you guys ever heard of Agatha Christie? Here's what she had to say about a mother's love for her child is like nothing else in the world. It knows no law, no pity, it dares all things and crushes down remorselessly all that stands in its path. Unconditional love of a mom. I had the privilege to have some great moms and women and mother figures in my life. I was raised by a single mom. Um, my mother, I just found out, so most of you guys know this, but I just found out I have a new old sister. She, <laughs> I know. And I have a half-sister named Andrea, but my new old sister that's three years older than me is also named Andrea. Interesting. So I call her Andrea, too. Or new old Andrea. I don't know. I'm confused. But my mom <laughs> had a kid before she had me, three years before she had me, and then uh, gave Andrea up for adoption, who I just found out a year ago. And we met or a year and a half ago now. And um, so she has a testimony about being raised by a mom that wasn't her mom. Uh, but my mom, as a single mother, did all she could. She cut hair. She cut all mine off. <laughs> she cut hair. And I remember I did, she would experiment on me at whatever uh, place that she was at. And I'd have to be the hair model. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember that, changing schools all the time. I was raised in San Diego. 
like El Cajon, if you guys are familiar with San Diego, El Cajon, Santee, Lakeside, Ramona, all those areas are just rotating through. Um, so, but my mom, she did what she could to, to make it happen. Um, she said my first Christmas was spent <laughs> in a sink in a hotel in Reno, Nevada. I don't, I don't know the story fully, but um, uh, just moms. They're just sacrificial. My mom, she did what she could. Um, and then my grandmother, my grandma Pearl, um, because my mom was a single mom, she had to go to work, and my grandma lived in Santee, and I was at my grandma and grandpa's house all the time. And it was there where my grandpa, who was a construction worker, was like the law. I mean, you are, if you're a kid, he's old school, like, you're a kid, so you're seen and not heard, right? You just, you're, you don't speak unless spoken to, just all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, you know, I thank God for my grandma, she made the best everything. She was the best. Of, she was the best of the best. I just loved my grandma Pearl, um, my aunt, who also was super influential in my life. My aunt was the only Christian in our entire family, and she was the one that would send me gospel uh, stuff for my birthday. And uh, my aunt has a lot of money, and I'm like, why don't you just send me money instead of gospel stuff? <laughs> you know, that's what I was interested in as a teenager. I'm like, I don't want to know about Noah and the ark, like. <laughs> How much money did it take to buy that ark, right? Let's talk about it. No. Um, but if she didn't send me to a camp um, when I was 16 where I heard the gospel, and it was from a friend of hers in church um, who was a, also a, a construction worker. He built decks and gazebos. I started working with him when I was 16, and we'd go to the job site, and he would put a gospel tape in, like Billy Graham and stuff like that. Um, and I'd hear the gospel over and over and over again on the way to work, back from work, during work. I'd ask him questions. And so it was through my aunt that I had a connection to even hearing the gospel. So not being raised in a Christian home, God was using women in my life to expose me to the gospel. <coughs> and my aunt had a friend named Carol. And I remember um, Carol would host Bible studies at her house. And when my friends were off partying and stuff, I already did all that stuff. I wasn't interested in that anymore. I would hang out with all the senior citizens, you know, just this high school punk kid just in a convertible Volkswagen where the roof flew off and it was always convertible. And I would just go to this Bible study. It was an hour away um, and I would go and my, my friends didn't understand what I was doing. And eventually my friends started going with me and then they started hearing the gospel. It was kind of interesting how it all worked. But I just looked back and I had some really instrumental people in my life that were female, that I wouldn't be here preaching, teaching, even concerned about the Bible, my relationship with the Lord, my kids' view of God. I wouldn't, none of that would have been on my radar if it hadn't have been for these important women that God uh, saw fit to arrange in my life. It reminds me of Timothy, who also had a mother and a grandmother. Look at uh, 2 Timothy. He said, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. My wife's grandmother's name is Eunice. And um, my wife, on the other hand, her dad's a pastor, uh, her mom's a Christian, 
all of her side of the family's Christian, all of her dad's side. I mean, they're just all Christians over there. No one gets divorced. They've always just stayed together and um, had faith in the Lord. And so I'm privileged to have married into my wife's side of the family where there's a lot of this going on, a lot of uh, Lois and, and Eunice type situation where the kids coming into the family, much like you guys too, where you're just the grandparents or just a gospel influence to the grandkids. And, um, and that's a blessing. So <clears throat> I don't know how far we're going to get into this. And I didn't know really how to connect all this, but I'd like to at least share with you, at least there's so many, this Mother's Day, it's like one shot Who do you go with? How do you pick? There's mothers from the beginning to the end of the Bible. You can't, there's nowhere you could turn without running into a mom uh, in the Bible. So I was thinking, where, how should we do this? And I thought, well, let's, let's look at this kind of event that took place in Genesis chapter 24, where Abraham sends out a servant to go find a wife for his son, And it's kind of, to me, a picture of the Holy Spirit, in a sense, to where the church is the bride of Christ, the Holy Spirit sent out, people receive Christ, they become a part, not of an institutional church, but, you know, you have a relationship with Christ, you're the bride of Christ, and then there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it seems like the servant's going out to find a a bride for the son, and the son's father is uh, telling him, you know, we're going to get the, we're going to take care of this for you. And it just seems to be the kind of the, just the overarching uh, view of the Bible. So if you're with me in Genesis chapter 24, see how long this is? We're not going to read all, that's, I'd spend the rest of the hour reading that, but let's just kind of pick it up in verse 1. And then I'll kind of summarize as we go, because we won't have time to go through all this. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of the house that ruled over all that he had, uh, Put, I pray you, your hand under my thigh, and I'll make you swear uh, by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of earth. You shall not take a wife of my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but you shall go into my country and my kindred and take a wife Uh, unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, what if the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land? Um, You know, and so the story goes, he does go, he meets her, he exchanges uh, some gifts, he has a conversation with the the, um, Rebecca's family, Uh, they talk about it, and then they give this this option to the, the daughter, Rebecca. They said, well, if she wants to go with you, then she's free to go. If she doesn't, then it's her choice. So it wasn't, it wasn't anything forced or coerced. She, she was willing. And I, I love that because <clears throat> that's the way it is with the gospel. If you want to accept Christ, fine. If you want to reject Christ, fine. That's, that's totally your option. And so um, she decided to go, and let's pick it up towards the end here. Go to, let's see, yeah, go to verse 58. And they called Rebecca and said unto her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. And they sent away Rebecca, their sister, uh, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said unto her, you are my sister, a mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate. 
uh, of those which hate them. And Rebekah then arose and her damsels, and they rode uh, camels and followed the man. The servant took Rebekah and went his way. Verse 62. This is kind of a cool. This, you could see this in a movie here in slow motion. Dun, 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 dun. And Isaac came from the way of the well, for he dwelt in the south country. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she lighted off, she got off the camel. And when she had said to the servant, what is this man, who's this man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, it is my master. Therefore, she took the veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things which he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. I think that's very interesting. He got this wife. She willingly wanted to go. She had to go by faith, by the way. This was, there was no like swiping right or left. Like, mm, Isaac, uh, not what I thought. Way bigger nose than I thought. <laughs> Swipe. <laughs> Swipe. Um, none of that. So she went by faith. And um, he loved her. She loved him. But I want to kind of take you a little bit further into this saga. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 27. They do have kids. And you know the story. There's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's name is changed to Israel. He has 12 sons, and they became the 12 sons and 12 tribes of Israel, which make up the nation of Israel. And one of those tribes, Jesus, was going to come to and through. And so you kind of see in the beginning kind of the, the backdrop of how, how all this was working out. Now, you remember uh, Jacob had a brother named Esau, and it was when Esau came back, he was super hungry. And uh, Jacob, was his name means conniver, right? It means he's a little bit of a deceitful guy. But here's something that I want to I share with you. He said, all right, I'll give you some food if you sell me your birthright. What's the birthright? The birthright means if you're the firstborn back in the culture of the day, um, then you get the double blessing. What's the double blessing? Meaning that when the dad's passing on, kind of the last will and testament is the oldest son, he gets... He gets double than any of the other kids. Why? And why the son? Well, because the son acted as the priest of the family. So when the dad's gone, that defaults to the oldest son. And now he's going to take care of all the spiritual affairs of the family. And in that culture, it meant sacrifice. So that means extra resources. That's why the son got the double blessing. Now, what were all the sacrifices pointing towards? The sacrifices of killing an innocent lamb for a guilty person was way back with Adam and Eve. God taught them that lesson. And that had been passing on, picturing to when you come to John, where he says, Behold the Lamb of God, which comes to take away the sin of the world. Esau didn't want anything to do with that. Jacob was connected to that story because he actually believed that the Messiah was going to come. So Jacob, deceiver, conniver, yeah, but also believer. We're all messed up. <laughs> he was a believer. Esau was like just your good old boy. Just a good old boy. Never meaning no harm. Just a daddy was born. That's the Dukes of Hazard. if you don't know. Anyways, um, 
He just wanted to hunt. He was like every country song, right? He just wanted to be by the creek with my rod and my reel and hunting the venison. Um, <laughs> he, doesn't, he didn't really want much to do with the whole priest thing. And he's like, ugh. That's like, you know, people like church. Ugh. You know, just let me do my own thing. Esau. Jacob, on the other hand, is like, whatever this thing is connected to the lamb and the priest, I believe it. I connect to it. So that's where we're at. Look at Genesis 27. Now, Rebecca took um, Isaac. to they're, they're in love. But look, look at how the story changes. And it came to pass when Isaac was old, his eyes were dim, so he could not see. He called Esau, his eldest son, and said unto him, My son. And he said unto him, Behold, here I am. And he said, Behold, now I am old, and I, I, I do not know the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray you, uh, the weapons of the quiver, their bow, and go out in the field and get me some venison, some deer. And make me some savory meat, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I might eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. And Rebekah heard, and when Isaac spake to Esau, his son, Esau went out in the field to hunt for venison and to bring it in. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard your father speak unto Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me venison, and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless it before uh, the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to all which I command thee. Go to the flock, fetch me uh, a, you know, two kid goats, and I will make the savory meat for your father such as he loves. Right? Away, away to a man's heart. <laughs> and Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man. And I'm a smooth man. I fit more in the Esau category. Esau, Harry. <laughs> you like that? I just made that one. Thank you. Uh, my father uh, will feel me, and he shall see me as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. And look at what the mom said. This is Rebecca. And his mother said, Upon me be your curse, my son. Only obey my voice and go and fetch them. There's something about a mom that will do anything for her son. There's just, here you find her working the angles because her son is going to be slighted, but he is actually the believer, um, and the other is not. And Rebecca took uh, goodly raiment and all this kind of stuff. And anyways, um, you could read the, the rest of the story down to verse 17 and, and beyond. But I just wanted to bring that out because she's saying, I want this for you, if anything bad happens, I'll take the bad. And isn't that a mom? Sacrificial, taking the bullet, taking the blame, wanting others to succeed, even if they're taking a background or a back, uh, a back seat. It's just so mom-like. Even though this doesn't seem very right because she's deceiving her husband, it's, there's something... Of, and here's what I love about the Bible. No sugarcoating. If, if, someone, if a dude was trying to sell a religion... You would, get, you would edit out all the dirty laundry, and in the Bible is all the dirty laundry. You're like, how in the heck are they even? These guys are losers, right? They're lame. Yeah, sleeping around, cheating, lying, killing, all of the stuff. It's just not hidden. Uh, God's not intimidated by uh, the, this kind of thing. 
So I went to the cross and conquered it. I want you to see something else, just about a mom. Turn with me if you would. The screen will say 2 Kings, but it's actually, I mistyped it. It's 1 Kings chapter 3. And Michael, if you're still back there, I'm not going to have everyone turn to 2 Kings 4 where Elijah raises the Shunammite son. 2 Kings 4, if you want to take a note, um, that's a really fabulous story. The son dies. She couldn't have a son, and then she finally gets blessed with the son, and then the son dies, and she's holding the son. Uh, and then um, Elijah then comes into the scene and then was able to miraculously see the son come back to life. So that's in Second Kings chapter 4. But First Kings chapter 3, Solomon's coming onto the scene uh, as the king. And remember, God asked him, what do you want? And he could have asked for anything but he asked for wisdom. And God said, because you asked for wisdom and not uh, all this you know, material stuff, uh, I'm going to bless you regardless. So in 1 Kings chapter 3, I want you to see the heart of a mother. Um, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 16. Then came there two women that were harlots unto the king and stood before him. And one woman said, O oh my Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house, and I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass the third day after that I was delivered that this woman was delivered also, and we were together. And there was no stranger with us in the house except uh, the two in the house. And this woman's child died in the night because she overlaid it. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while your handmaiden slept and uh, laid it on her chest and laid the dead child on my chest. And when I arose in the morning to give my child uh, feeding, behold, the child was dead. And when I had considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son, which I did bear. And the other woman said, no, not at all, but the living son. Uh, and the dead is your son, the living one's mine. And uh, this said, no, but the dead is your son, and the living is my son. And thus they're just arguing back and forth before the king. So then said the king, the one says, this is my son that lives, and thy son is dead. And the other said, no, but your son is dead, and my son is the living. And the king said this, bring me my sword. Getting a little Game of Thrones on this. little G-O-T. What's up, Xerxes? And the king said, Divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. Makes perfect sense. Right? Then spoke the woman whose the living child was unto the king for her bowels yearned for her son and she said oh my lord give her the living child and in no wise slay it but the other said no let, let it be neither mine nor yours but divide the baby then the king answered and said give her the living child and in no wise slay it she is the mother definitely and all israel heard of the judgment which the king had made so obviously the real mom they live together and there, we don't know the dynamics, but perhaps jealousy and who knows what, what went on. 
but the one woman that had the child that died was jealous of the one that had the living child. They swapped the babies. They come before the king. They're arguing. They're arguing. And the king's like, give me my sword. Uh, we'll just like, we'll cut the baby in half. Problem solved. <laughs> uh, lot you'd save a lot of money on, let's just say, diapers and feeding and stuff like that. Um, anyways, of course, he didn't intend that. He was trying to reveal out uh, who the real mother was. And the real mother... And this is the real mother. She would rather her son live and not be able to be the mother than to have the son die. And the other woman was like, nope, kill the baby, because she's like, if I have a dead child, you should have a dead child. And um, obviously uh, revealing the true colors of who the mom was and who the mom wasn't. I want to point this out. And we're almost done here, because we're going to skip some stuff. I want to point this out because this is very important. God is not a man nor a woman. God is a spirit. I tried to make that blue, that pink, and that purple, but it didn't show up very well at any rate. Um, God is not a man nor a woman. You know, it says in John chapter 4, verse 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. But look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created all mankind, humankind, in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God made dads. God made moms. The unique things about a mom and a dad, God made. Let's look at this chart. We saw this when we were going through love and respect. Um, so men, blue. Women, pink. When they get married together, purple. And God's kind of a combo of all of it. He made, he made male. He made female. But he's neither male nor female. But all the stuff that you have that makes you uh, uniquely who you are comes from the, the fingerprint and the imprint of God. And I like that. I'm very blue-minded. My wife's very pink-minded. And together, when the two become one, we become purple, which is the color of royalty. I'm not saying that we are, but it's just kind of it's unique. Um, you know, and, and, and we ought not to fight against these things because it's Mother's Day today, and there's so many things that are unique to moms that are not shared by dads. <laughs> you know, Moms are so uniquely different. Than dads. And not, not better, just different, right? Not better, just different. And I love leaning into the differences because they make up my deficits, right? My wife has so many more awesome things going on than me, um, but we, we just complement each other. But God's the full package, right? Now, it is rare, rare, rare for a mother not to have natural affection for their child. But it sometimes happens. It just sometimes does, right? And when it does, God will be both like your father and like your mother figure. Um, and he'll kind of fill in the gap. Look at Psalm 27, verse 10. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. That's a, that's a little nugget, right? Yeah, that's what I thought too. I'm like, where was that verse? Um, my parents kicked me out of the house. And so it's stuff like that. I'm like, okay, okay. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. I like Isaiah 49, 15. Can a woman forget her nursing 
uh, child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you, God says. It's so rare. Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even if it does happen, God says, I will not forget. It's rare. It's, it's not rare for dudes to just take off, <laughs> right? You don't hear about very many single dads. I don't know why that is. You know, even in nature, you don't, you know, there's just not a lot of single dads, right, raising their kids. It's just, um, so it's just very hard for a woman to have this natural affection um, for their child. They carry them uh, for nine months. They just know them like no other. They're a part of them. Um, you know, the Bible says for me to live as Christ, for the baby it's for me to live as mom. I mean, life comes from mom. And even if they do forget, or even, even in my mom's case, too young, couldn't have my older sister, uh, I probably wouldn't be here, to be honest with you, if she had kept and raised uh, my older sister, Andrea, uh, who I'm, I'm growing to love. I, we're starting a relationship. It's kind, of a, it's kind of a unique thing, kind of an awesome thing. Um, but it does happen. He will be a father to the fatherless. He will be like a mother to the motherless. God is the friend of friends that will never leave us nor abandon us. Though God is often pictured in the Bible in the masculine form, he's also the one who created us in his image, both male and female. That's where these unique things come from. It's not like women invented women's things and men invented men's things. I mean, this, you, this blue-pink dynamic, it comes from God. And the way that these things are fleshed out, it, it really has the the stamp and the image and the thumbprint of our creator. So God knows about the unfading love of a mother, their compassion, their tenderness, their intuition, their care and concern, their sacrificial giving, their nurturing, their caregiving nature, their warmth, their mercy, their forgiveness, their, their ability to comfort. And even when you got boo-boos, their magic kisses to make the pain go away. You don't want a kiss from your dad? Gross. You've got a scrape on your arm. You want a kiss from your mom. And dad would just say, oh, just get over it, right? Walk it off. Yeah, walk it off. <laughs> Take a lap. <laughs> their mercy and their forgiveness, their protection, their patience. I think something, too, that's probably understated is their long-suffering and their unconditional presence. There's just something unique to moms that are exclusive to them. The, these and there's many more attributes that I didn't l- list, but I, there's something about moms that they're always there for you. I don't know if you could say that about dads. I want to be a good dad, but there's something about a mom that they're just always a phone call away. They're just always there, always there, always there. And it's kind of sad because that they're always there. As a boy, I always knew that, and I took advantage of that. I'm like, mom. Mom will be there. I would call my mom from foreign countries. Hey, mom, I'm in Czechoslovakia. She's like, you're where? <laughs> yeah. And she's like, will you be safe? And, t- you know, call me when you get home. And, oh, dear. Um, I just wouldn't tell her because she would get worried. But she was just always there, always there, always there, always there. Moms are always there. All of these and many more attributes comes from the Lord who loved and made mothers in his own image with his fingerprint and stamp on their precious hearts. 
Look at, we're, we're winding down. I just have three more verses and a quote. Look at Isaiah 66. For thus says the Lord, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. And isn't it interesting that, you know, God's usually portrayed as God the Father, and he is. Um, he never, never says God the Mother, but, he all, but there's dozens and dozens of verses where God, he kind of fills in that mother attribute as well. Because again, God's a spirit. He's neither a male nor a female, but he created both male and female. So he says, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. Hosea chapter 13 says this, I will fall upon them like a bear robbed of her cubs. That's one thing you don't do is mess with the mama bear. And my mom was tough. She was a, mom, she was a mama bear, right? No injustice came to her son, right? She had to fill in both. She had to take care of dad's role and mom's role. So she like, she saddled up, man. She, she, got, she got stuff done. Um, Matthew 23, look at what Jesus says. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And it's interesting, the only two times Jesus weeps are both for kind of this, this sense of he really wants them to have a relationship with him and to be believers, but they seem to not want him. Oh, Jerusalem and Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those that are sent to it. How often I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you weren't even willing. So he says, I had compassionately gathered you as a as a hen does you know when they have the little little chicklings and they protect them that way jesus says that's how i was to you um and yet like much of the punk sons i am just speaking for myself right nope net you know just reject 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 do my own thing independent autonomy um and that was the nation of israel and jesus said i was like a mom to you Gathered you all the time, but you just rejected, rejected, rejected. So much like mothers, God is on standby, so to speak. The forgotten lover who is always there for you with arms wide open. Um, so just as we take God for granted at times, I'm speaking to myself. Let us be mindful of our mothers and just how precious and special they are to us. And perhaps we should not wait until a national holiday to acknowledge how much we really care and acknowledge and love and respect our moms, right? Guilty, guilty. Um, my, my own wife, her mom, I heard her on the phone yesterday. I don't want to do her an impression because it'll sound disrespectful, but she sounds like 12 beers into a conversation because of her Alzheimer's. What are you doing, Jenny? And her and I just laugh because it's cute, but it's sad at the same time because my wife's been without a mom. She has a mom, but she doesn't have a mom. It's kind of a weird thing. And um, so if you guys are looking for a daughter, this is a good one back there. Um, but yeah, so she has a mom, but she doesn't have a mom. And um, there's that. And she will. she's had like, multiple brain surgeries her head's been opened up and everyone understands like she's gone through cancer chemo now now this it's like the saddest life really and she's existing but non-existent it's just been really sad um, but i love sandy she when she was with us i've had great great talks she's just a phenomenal mom 
Uh, she super loves the Lord. One thing that you could guarantee is she just loves the Lord and um, just a great, great, great spiritual mom, but it's unfortunate her faculties are not able to um, make much sense of life right now. So if you think about them, pray for Sandy, pray for Adam uh, as he's up there, our oldest son, uh, helping with that situation. Um, But here's this quote I want to kind of conclude with. There's a story behind everything, how a picture got on a wall, how a scar got on your face. Sometimes the stories are simple and sometimes they're hard and heartbreaking, but behind all your stories is always your mother's story because hers is where yours begin. That's good, right? I love that. If you're not a Christian, you can freely accept or reject God's grace gift of life if you want to. Salvation is free to you. Um, But it costs Jesus his life. And let me just conclude by saying this. I think there's a conclusion slide, uh, Michael. But if you still have your mother, remember what a gift from God she is. Um, And I I felt weird writing this. Hey, go tell your mom you love her. I don't, you're, you guys are grown, you know. Tell her if you want to. It's not, <laughs> it's not an imperative, but it's a good suggestion, right? You would never regret it. But if you don't have your mother, or you don't have your own kids and you are a mother, uh, what I mean is you don't have your mother living with you anymore, maybe consider this. Pray about being a mother to someone who needs one. I think we have that going on in our church right now. But pray about being a mom to someone who maybe doesn't have a mom. That's how important a role of a mom is. Amen? Well, let's, let's stand and be dismissed in a word of prayer, and then we're going to have a song of dismissal. And so, as the musicians get ready, I will close this in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for all the moms. I thank you for my mom. I thank you for my wife and her mom as well. I thank you for all the precious ladies that you've put in my life that have been super impactful. Uh, Like, I I just can't imagine my life without the women that you have allowed to have such an influence on me. And I thank you for that. Um, I just pray for all the mothers and all the, just the behind the scenes stuff, all the sacrifice, everything that they do out of this heart of love and um, selflessness, Lord, I just pray that you would encourage them and that you would, you would let them know that, that they share your heart. That's how you operate. And so it's just a reflection of your character. And so I pray that the moms would be encouraged to just keep on uh, doing the mom things that they do. Uh, and we love them so much. And I thank you in Jesus' name.